Welcome to Emerging, the official podcast of the Trout Unlimited and Costa Five Rivers program, brought to you by Sims Fishing Products. Emerging is about enabling the young angling community to drive progress in the fly fishing industry and the conservation of the places we love to fish. My name is Joseph Burney, and I'll be your host along with Andrew Lafredo. For this episode, we got a chance to talk with one of our Five Rivers alumni, Elon Stribling, about his Five Rivers experience, what it's like being a biologist, and a little bit about stand-up comedy. We hope you enjoy it. Well, uh, this is an interesting situation. I'm going to call this a half episode. So we've just, we got the F3T stuff going on. Um, and we had the pleasure of having Rachel on and we wanted to bring Elon on. We didn't want to leave him out. So welcome to episode 11 and a half. Elon, we're so excited to have you. It's nice to finally meet you via, uh, virtually and it looked like uh you had a lot of fun with one of our other friends who we had on the podcast heather harkavy down in mexico recently so welcome to emerging thank you so much for having me i uh um i know it's okay if i get a half episode i didn't even in a half episode i could have gone you know just i could have just said hello and we could get out of here you know it's it's a full episode (laughs) but here's the thing here's the thing and i'm sure people have caught on to this but we record a lot of these episodes well in advance of when we release them so we were like oh well we we need to release this one next but we already said on all the other ones that we we recorded that it was episode 12, 13. I don't know how many more we have. And I was like, shoot, what are we going to do? And I was like, you know what? Half episode. That's how we're going to do it. <laughs> I like it. I like, well, I'm here for it. I'm, I like to do everything half. I'm very lazy. So this is perfect for me. <laughs> nice. It's going to be dangerous. Elon's going to keep us laughing through this whole thing, man. Yeah. So Elon, you are a uh, five Rivers alumni and do you mind talking a little bit about where you went to college uh, and what you majored in? And I guess we'll move into Fiverr stuff in a in a second. Yeah, yeah. I went to CSU, Carl State University. Um, <clears throat> and when I first went there, I was studying uh, animal science because I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then realized that, uh, you know, as important as that is to some people, it's not what I wanted to do. Um, and then I was like a psychology major for like half a semester. And then I was just taking a bunch of garbage classes and then uh, finally stumbled into uh, wildlife biology, fish, wildlife and conservation biology um, and under the Warner College of Natural Resources at CSU. So kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a path to get there. It took about a year to figure, figure it out. But um, yeah, I graduated uh, with my degree and and had the opportunity in, in college to do a bunch of different uh, fish work, hands-on wildlife work, um, and try out a bunch of different things. So, uh, yeah, and I don't really care about school rivalry, cool school rivalries, but, you know, it was, it, CSU was fun, and it, I took a lot of good stuff from there and met a lot of dope people. So Yeah, super yeah. cool. So before you got to do all of that fish work and get involved in that in college, uh were you into fly fishing before that? What led you into that major path eventually? So it kind of, it kind of 
it was like parallel almost because how I got into the fly fishing was a girl who I was dating at the time who I was in animal science with. Um, she had grown up kind of fly fishing and she wanted to take this like fly tying course um, where it wasn't really a course. It was like for like three Saturdays a semester, we would like tie flies. And then one of the, on the last Saturday we would, you know, go fishing. And so we did that and I just fell in love with, with fly tying and having like a blank canvas. And then, then on the last day going out and I didn't know it at the time, but we were fishing for carp, which are extremely tough, but um, just watching the fish in the water and and being fascinated with them, I I felt like a kid again. And then that was at the same time that I was kind of switching over to fish and wildlife and conservation. And so they, they just kind of, paralleled each other and then merged into one and I could take a lot of stuff that I learned from you know class from the curriculum out to the water and a lot of practices and stuff that I was observing in the water I could use as research projects or ideas um for for my classwork so uh, they they started off very differently but then they kind of merged into the same thing yeah you referenced that that fishing and the experience seeing the fish in the water made you kind of feel like a kid again. And I think that a lot of us experienced that. Did you grow up in the outdoors exploring and uh, fishing and whatnot? Um, not really. In, not really so much in the out, not really so much in the outdoors. Um, I grew up with a fascination for animals and wildlife and nature, just because my grandfather was a biologist and uh, he, he was always talking talking nerd to me, talking animals, talking science. And so I always had a fascination, but actually like fishing and being outdoors. Um, he would like take me fishing every once in a while. We would like go to a lake at like three o'clock in the morning and I would just sit there in a chair and complain all day and he would, you know, catch fish. So I kind of had that a few times growing up, but never um, as intense or, or um, as fun as what we're doing now. So you started to get involved with the CSU club. I mean, your alumni of Five Rivers, uh, that's how we we got you on here. But how did you get involved with the Five Rivers Club at CSU? So after I was fishing for a little bit, I um, I was like, oh, shit, I would love to be a part of a club with other people who like to fish. And so I, I was actually in the process of making a fly fishing club. Like, I was going to be like, fuck it, 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 am I allowed to cuss? I mean, heck. <laughs> If if there's going to be other people who fish, I would love to have, you know, people to go fish with and stuff like that. And so I went to my home shop, St. Pete's Fly Shop in Fort Collins and, you know, was like, hey, you know, I know I got a faculty member to help me out. But would you guys be interested in like helping out the CSU Fly Fish Club? And they're like, oh, yeah, someone just came by and they're actually, you know, working on that right now. And I was like, oh, really? And then, uh, you know, it was Jacob Pitt and Connor Murphy and and got a chance to talk with them. And they're like, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing. We're creating a club to do, uh, you know, volunteer work, do conservation work, as well as find people to fish with. So once again, just something I was, I was looking forward to and then was just kind of pushed into and, and, and fell in love with uh, the, the guys and girls around me who were way better anglers than, than I was and am. And I could learn a lot from, that's a big part for me. I, I like learning still. I, I don't know anything. So so what would you say you enjoy the most about that experience? Yeah, probably uh, eavesdropping on people's conversations. 
when they would be like, hey, have you have you and fish so-and-so for this species? And I'd be like, shh. And I would just like act like I wasn't listening, but I was definitely like taking notes, you know? Uh, and then seeing them at the spot, and they'd be like, how'd you get here? And I'm like, I just figured it out. Uh, no, but <laughs> really, really meeting people and, and – I mean, there's people I met in the in the in the club that are really good friends, and you know, like this summer, I plan on going and meet with up meeting up with him to to fish or, or hang out and and really use those experiences and those foundation relationships just to ha- have fishy friends uh, who have maybe moved away or who may still be in Colorado. You know, it's cool here. You know, they made a lot of friends. You know, especially in, when I was in, uh, you know way back in prehistoric days when I was the president of my club, you know, yeah. that was something that I really enjoyed the, the whole social element, you know, like I still keep in touch with my Flyfish club friends, did a lot of organizations in college too, but uh, you know, Flyfish club kind of remains the, the constant, right. You know, people come in your lives and, and leave them and leave it. So it's cool to, that you got that awesome experience, but we heard that you got a new job, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how that's going, what what you're doing, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm just working with uh, Colorado Wildlife Council just to help educate the public on um, how, you know, hunting and fishing are just another forms of conservation. So that's that's pretty much the the foundation and pretty much the work that that I've been doing. Um, it, you know, just started, um, but it's a foot in the door, and, and I really enjoyed the stuff I've learned so far. And I'm looking forward to you know just teaching people and 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 showing them that hunting and fishing can be good ways to um, other ways for conservation and and help with making Colorado as beautiful as it is. Can you talk a little bit more about? I feel like people. And it's your job. Uh, obviously, it's important to for people to understand the connection between hunting and fishing and conservation and how they help each other. Um, you mind talking a little bit about what that means? Yeah, well, on the very on the financial level, I mean, a lot of most hunting um, and fishing licenses, permits, whatever you want to call them, whatever you have, go towards habitat restoration, um, you know, wildlife management. Um, so, so the actual dollar of when people go to Bass Pro Shop, when people go to their local fly shops and they buy stuff, like that money is going back into the water, the, the parks. Um, and even if you don't hunt and fish, if you go buy something from Bass Pro Shop, um, and that money is going back to trails, that money is going back to, you know, maintaining state parks and stuff like that. So that that's one level of it. And then another level is, you know, there's h- humans devastate everything we touch. Yeah. Um, and so, and that includes the wildlife and, you know, we, we have an impact on the wildlife around us. And so because we are predators um, and we've taken away a lot of the predators that handle uh, these sort of these, uh, herbivores um, and meso predators then we have to kind of do that so it's uh you know hunting hunting is a tool to create space um, to make areas less dense for certain populations um, whether that be you know large game small game um, and same thing with fishing fishing is a uh, if you just leave a water to be catch and release all the time, um, then eventually that's going to stunt a lot of, of, of growth. Um, 
And so, you know, if there's waters that's there's catch limits and stuff that allows space. Now there, you know, there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like that all the time. Cause if we allowed everyone to take, or if we allowed everyone to kill, then there's going to be nothing left for the future. So, uh, yeah, so hunting, and that's why people have licenses, and you have to kind of put in bids and fishing. Um, you know, there's there's limits that the, the state manages for. So those are just another tools of conservation uh, to make sure that there's space so you can catch that trophy fish or there's space that you can, you know, get meat to fill your freezer for the winter. So, Yeah, and on the other side of your job, I would guess is probably the, the more fun side, the – educating people getting out there interacting uh would you consider that your your favorite part like educating people getting involved with them learning how to fish and whatnot yeah it's it's definitely an aspect of it i would think my favorite part is just hearing um is just learning about the different management types and 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 wildlife kind of actions that are taking place in colorado um, but I really do enjoy, you know, talking. There hasn't been as much since COVID, but, uh, you know, I really enjoy talking to uh, the people. And, you know, every old guy has a fishing story or every person has a, a hunting story that they like to share. So just hearing those different um, perspectives and then hearing new people talk about, you know, why are they would or maybe not want, um, um, not want hunting or fishing and just kind of, sharing those experiences because I didn't grow up hunting. I, I barely grew up fishing. So I understand where they're coming from and sort of can connect on that level. Absolutely. Um, do you think that, so you've been involved in some other educational programs throughout your, your career so far. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah. Um, uh, Brown folks fishing is the main one I'm a part of. Um, you can follow them on social media or, or check out their website. Um, we're, it's a nonprofit organization I'm a part of that is holding um, companies and organizations accountable for allowing, giving more space to people of color, underrepresented communities in the fishing um, to just feel like they can fish, they can ask questions, they can feel welcomed and stuff like that, um, as well as just showing representation, whether that be in fishing magazines and films or whatever that may be. So brown folks fishing is one. And then um, Lincoln Hill cares um, is another one that uh, I was a part of. And that's just Lincoln Hills is like the only historic um, site for um, it was like a vacation place for African-Americans during like the sixties and the seventies and the fifties um, where um, black people could feel safe to go up to the mountains and they would fish, they would camp, they would, hunt they would do regular outdoor activities that isn't the, the status quo for for black people and so um that's just something we you know kids will come up there and they can learn how to fish they can learn about microbiology they can learn how to do archery they can learn how to just do a bunch of bunch of different things so that's awesome um yeah, those are just two of the big ones that you know I, I always have my hand in and just supporting any way i can how's that how's that changed those programs since covid hit um, they will, but yeah, before we, you know, we would have usually groups of 40 people, 50 people, um, families, kids or whatever. Um, and then it just, it just dwindled down, you know, everything we do is out outside. So it's not as bad as being indoors, but, um, still, you know, we ask people if you feel comfortable wearing a mask when you're, you know, 
uh, outside at the on the river. You can keep it on if you would like, or you can take it off. Um, and we try to keep distance. We sanitize everything. But the groups just got a lot smaller is what it is. And instead of having, you know, different schools or different programs come together, it would just be like, you know, just this school would come. So we're not mixing a bunch of people. And, and so, I mean, there were small modifications, but it was still – you know, people still enjoy it. I, I think with being in quarantine and people being cooped up, um, just not being inside was always fun. When's your next uh, outing, Elon, with uh, with Lincoln Hills? Um, I, I'm not sure yet. We're, we're still trying to figure uh, figure out the dates for that. Um, and then with Brown Folks Fishing, yeah, we're still trying to figure out the summer calendar, um, is which, which is what I'm doing right now, just kind of figure out when when we can do stuff kind of time and resources we need um and so that that it's all in the planning process for now but i'll let you guys know when whenever we figure that out um we got people in um georgia people in new york people in california people in um, washington nevada so we're all kind of spread out and so i'm i'm one of two people here on i'm the only person on the front range and we have another person that's on the sort of the western side of the state um, so fall of 2019 was the first time we did it. And then we did few beginning of 2020 and then um, haven't done anything in 2021 so far. But um, so, yeah, we've been doing the, just a few things for a while. So, Elon, when, uh, when when's your next show, man? I know that uh, you're big into comedy. Uh, when did that start? You know, how can people come out and see you? Y- yeah, uh, I just started – one day I just decided like, you know, I talked to myself enough and I've always been a fan of comedy and people who are good at public speaking. And so I was just like, if I do it and I am good at it, dope. If I do it and I suck at it, then nothing, I'm still going to be the same person I was yesterday morning when I woke up. Like no one's going to be sad. I'm not doing comedy. So it was really just like a, just, just, take a leap of faith and the first time i did it i did really really well i better than i expected to and everyone was like wow you're good like how long you been doing it and i was like it was my first time and then the next like i don't know six months i sucked like i didn't get any laughs (laughs) so it was very humbling and it was a lot of fun but it just goes to show like sometimes you get lucky which is what i did the first time and then you have to work at it and, and get better, which, and it's, it should be something that's just fun. So I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, as for like shows and stuff, it's, it's random, man. Sometimes, you know, I have a show planned out a couple months in advance, you know, going to different cities, going to different States and performing. Sometimes it's like, you know, yesterday my friend called me at like two o'clock and was like, Hey, what are you doing today? And I was like, nothing. He was like, you want to do a show? And I was like, sure. So <laughs> Um, I, you know, I would get, I would get say, just, you know, check out my Instagram and, and check for dates and stuff. But I, I, even though I enjoy it and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and it just seems like people are enjoying it. I, I don't, it's not like a, like, I don't have a website. I'm not, I don't have like a Twitter to be cool about it. Like I just, I just really enjoy doing stand up and talking a little bit of stuff. Yeah. I thought it was funny. The other day I saw on your Insta story, you like reposted a TikTok. And it was like, oh, so you're a stand-up comedian? comedian? Tell me a joke. And I can't remember what the comeback was, but I was like, that's pretty funny because like, if, you, if someone says they do comedy, people are all the time like, oh, tell me a joke. It's like, well, what am I supposed to tell a joke about right now? 
Yeah, yeah, and it's all it's the it's the worst. Like if people say like, "Oh, I'm a musician," they're not. They're no one's ever like, "Hey, play me a song right now." Yeah, go get your like, guitar. Yeah, it's like no, you just you just believe. But with comedy, it's like we have to prove that we're funny. And it's like I'm not gonna tell. And I have friends and and family who, when I first started doing comedy, they was always joke around and be like. Oh, Elon's gonna talk about that on stage, or don't give any material to Elon. <laughs> it's like nothing you're doing, I care about. Like nothing you're doing, I think is funny. It's if I think it's funny, it's not if you think it's funny. So when people are always like, "Tell me a joke," I'm like, "No." And I've had people be like, "Please, just tell me a joke." And I'm like, "No, I will." You, if you come to a show, you will hear all the best jokes, and I, I will, I will tell, I will look directly at you and tell you a joke. But right now, I'm not telling you a joke in King Supers. <laughs> Um, how long does it take you to like go through that, that joke writing process Are most of them like experience or, uh, experience driven or are most of them <clears throat> just, yeah, I would, I would say most of them, I would say 95% of them are just things that happen to me or happen when I'm doing something. And then it's, I just go up on stage and talk about it and then, you know, make it or try to make it funny. Um, I, I'm not so much like a one-liner comic. I, I tell a lot of, you know, a lot of stories, a lot about, you know, dating, about working, just about stuff that pops into my head. Um, I don't really have a process. My, I have a couple comic friends who are extremely talented comedians who are very good writers. They, they can sit down and they can like write jokes with me, it's like a thought pops into my head and I'm like, I'm going to see if this is funny. And then I go up on stage <laughs> and sometimes it's hilarious. And I'm like, I'm a genius. And then sometimes everyone looks at me like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, you guys are probably correct. So I don't really have a, like, I can't remember the last time I, I'll write down like an idea, but the last time I wrote a joke, I, it's been a couple, it's been a couple months. Um, are most of but the yeah, jokes just, that people tell, like a lot of those stories, how much are the how much of those are just like straight BS? I, I say that every every joke that a comedian tell is rooted in some sort of their truth. So, um, like I have a joke about you know, there's a bear that broke into a dispensary, you know? Yeah. And I mean that that really happened. Like I wasn't on the call and I wasn't like actually at the scene, but like I was working that day and I got the call over the radio, like, Hey, there's a bear that's broken to a dispensary. And so that's <laughs> the basis of the joke. And you know, there's, I have jokes about teaching kids and, and, and some of the stuff I've heard, those are all based in stories. Like, you know, the, I may have not gotten to a fist fight with a child, like I say in the joke, but like the, the base of the joke or there's very true things in there, you know, stuff about dating, like, you know, I'm, I may not have, you know, yelled at my girlfriend or she may not have threw an apple at me or something, but like us arguing is like true. So I would say for, for most comedians, especially like the good people, and I'm not one of the good people, but for most like good comedians, uh, there's, there's bases in it. And then of course, like you, you just have to make it funny. If I just tell you about going to the dentist, then you're just going to be like, Oh, I just go to the dentist also. But if I, you know, talk about, you know, the guy, who has really big fingers, you know, or something creepy, then like, then I can make it funny. Yeah. In preparation, I watched one of your bits and I had, I had a fun time watching it, but being in college right now, you, 
you said a joke about, and I'm sure everyone that is listening to this is in college. You need to go watch this this bit. It's the one linked on the Fly Lords page of the person asking you, like, if you got hit by a bus. The religious person on campus asking you if you yeah. got hit by a bus uh, right now where you would end up. And you're like, oh, 30, 30 feet down the road. And I was like, <laughs> that's pretty good. And they always post up, like, at an intersection, too. Wait, do you have do you have those people at your school too? Oh, absolutely. Word. They, yeah, they literally stand, stand on like a on a soapbox, like a legit soapbox. In the yeah, middle we have of the people, plaza. and I think Andrew. I'm wondering if they if Andrew had them too. But yeah, they're just people who they just ask you. Like I had one one guy ask me like, um, how many times if I had had sex, and if he was like, if it's under a certain number, I can still get into heaven. And I was like, dog, I hopefully I get over that number, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he didn't like that. So it's just, I mean, I didn't know that. That's dope. The, the religious guy asking you your jersey number, Elon. Yeah, not, man. That's not cool. It just seems like, you know, they just, maybe they just want people to talk to. But I tried to go to one of those because I was, I was like, I just want to see what it's about. And I was like, oh, this is like, it scared me. And I was like, I'm not going back there ever. And the guy, and then I kept seeing the guy ever like on campus. And I was like, try to like hide because I was Swerve like, he's going to see me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I want to hear a little bit about this trip to Mexico you just took um, with a bunch of Five Rivers alum, actually. Uh, I know Maris and Heather on this trip. I saw some fun fun videos from that trip, one specifically of you walking back up from the dock uh, with your pants pretty much ripped to shreds. Yeah, man. It's uh, First of all, Mexico is one of the prettiest places I've been on earth. I, I've, I've traveled quite a bit. I've been blessed enough to travel a lot. And Mexico is just I'm not like Cancun, Mexico, not like tourist American. I mean, like spring real, breakers. Yeah, not like spring break. Mexico. I mean, like real Mexico. It's like beautiful place, amazing food and, and better people. And so it, it was my that was my second time down there. I'm just going to fish the flats and. Yeah, man, it's it's. I'll say this: saltwater fishing is a whole nother ball game, rather than stupid trout. You know, yeah, like, trout is so easy, and and saltwater fish are temperamental, and they're they're always moving, and sometimes it's hard to see them, and there's this wind, and then your guide's yelling at you, and then your heart goes from zero to sixty, and then it goes back to zero, and you're like, I'm about to pass out, and then there's six <laughs> yeah. different species, so you got to have five different rods two wire rod like it's like it's it's like a weird chaotic thing but it's it's beautiful and i freaking love it yeah you hooking plus they're good at breaking your heart man (laughs) Yeah, not even breaking it like breaking your spirit like breaking your your will to live there were there were days where i had a lot of shots at permit and like the fly was just two feet short or the wind like just couldn't let me get there or like the fish would like I would cast to where they're going or they're feeding and then they would turn around and start feeding the other day. Just like little things where it's like, just, just like, get, get, <laughs> yeah, just like give, give me one little bit of luck. But I think that's the fun of it. I, 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 I really, really enjoy flats fishing. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning a lot. I'm not one of these anglers that, you know, just cause I fish one river in Colorado a bunch, I'm like an expert. It's just like I, I want to learn. I There's people who know more than me and, and different ways to cast and, and different flies and just fly fishing in general. So it, it's been like starting over fishing, which is which is dope. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been to Mexico one time, too, and, you know, the the permit uh, the permit game, man, is just uh, heartbreaking, soul-crushing. Soul you know, you get, like, a 30-pound, like, permit following your fly up to the boat, and it looks like it's going to eat it, and then it's just like, nope. Yeah, man, I've had feeding fish. <laughs> yeah, I've had feed. I had a huge cuda uh, hit a fly and, like, grab onto it, and then for some reason it just came out, and I smacked it back on the water hit it again, came out. I've had giant sugarfish like eat a crab and then like I go to set the hook and I perfectly set it and even the guy was like perfect and thought the fish was on and the 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 loop to leader knot, I mean the leader to tip it knot just came apart. And that's, uh-huh. I blame that one on Heather. Heather knows about that one. She tied that knot so uh, that fish was gone. And so it's just like you, everything has to be perfect but also you just have to get extremely Man. lucky which I love. This makes me want to call Heather and, and interrogate her about that knot. Yeah, she just remember, be like, remember the knot you tied that Elon lost that trigger fish? She'll know exactly what, what that is. <laughs> That's pretty funny. 100%. That's definitely going to be something I bring up next time I talk to Heather. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I, when I came back from the dock that day, we, we had, it was, a, it was a permit day, and I was feeling excited, and then, you know, ended up targeting, I think we targeted tarpon, bonefish, um, and then the kudas and like, I went to take off my pants. They were like the half zip pants and the, my pants didn't come all the way off, but I was taking off my pants and then we saw a fish and I never zipped it back up. Cause I was like, you know, if you're sitting there and someone's like, permit, 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 then you get up and you're yeah. going to get the fish and then you're like, and then I was just like carrying all my stuff and I was tired and I was like, man, these fish, these fish will beat you up. It's fun, but these fish will, these fish will beat you up. That's on the bucket list for me to do i've done i've done redfish and sea trout but the same ex- the same type of experience it's not uh quite as quite as crazy because redfish are kind of stupid you put it on a dinner plate in front of them and they're like yeah but i hooked in my first redfish and i was like turned to the to the guide who i'm going back to see uh next weekend and i turned back towards him and i was like this is the best thing ever I'm sitting yeah, man, there. You, the sun yeah. is rising against the marsh. This is awesome. Cause, and it's just like learning new experiences. And yeah. someone told me this, this one day, I'm not going to take credit for it, but like the day I stop learning, I'll be dead. And right. it, it's really true. Um, and it's just so incredible to just chase different species and on a fly rod and also the community that you get from it. Yeah. Yeah. The people are, you know, after missing a bunch of fish, they and if you you know if you're a good intentioned person and you're a good spirits, then they'll break your balls. And so having at the end of the day, just you know these these Mexican guides who are are great anglers and and great ecologists, having them just giving me you know giving me shit for like not catching fish and missing fish, it just makes me feel like a part of the a part of the family. And so. Yeah, and I've I've had trout take me to my backing, but it's only because they were like caught in the stream, like they were caught in the current. You know, I've never had a fish just like take off and take my backing. Every saltwater fish I've ever had has at some point touched my <laughs> touched my backing, which I'm like, dope. Does that does that make the fish awesome or make your drag setting incorrect? Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> I would probably I would probably say the latter. Uh but also, you know, there's those, yeah, fish in the ocean are just, they're like the original fit. Like they're like the original gangsters. Like they have to survive sharks, birds, 
way bigger fish, barracuda, like everything. With trout, you know, they there's some birds and you know someone stomping on reds, which you shouldn't do, but. A bigger trout. <laughs> yeah, bigger trout, but it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, bonefish are, are one of my favorites, man. Like, pound for pound, probably some of the coolest fish. I love bonefish, yeah. People were giving me crap for loving them so much, but I was like, look, after a long day of missing five permit, I'll I'll take a bonefish, and I'll, I'll give them a kiss, and I'll say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So... Shifting back towards uh, what's going on right now, uh, there's our video project is coming out in the next week. Um, we don't want to spoil it too much, um, but what do you kind of hope people take away from from that project and that video? Um, that one fishing should be fun. It shouldn't be this serious sort of like too cool for school. Like just because you. F- fish or you just because you have cool gear like it doesn't make you better than it's like it fishing should be fun and it, it should be about the relationships and the conservation so i think that's the yeah. the main thing i want people to take about it take away from it and um if anybody you, you know just you know if you feel alone then like you know know that there's a community of people who also want to fish and will chat with you and stuff and so just yeah just have fun doing it um, also, you know, the, the water is a place for everyone and there's been barriers for a lot of people to get into not even just fly fishing, but outdoor recreation in general. So kind of just have an open mind and open heart to, you know, invite someone who's never had the opportunity to fish and, and kind of show them and they don't have to love it, but just show them like, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I do for fun. So, um, that would be a big thing is just, you know, create opportunities for people who, who maybe have never had it and, you know, if you got any gear to give away to someone, do it. Uh, I know I have, you know, lately I've gotten way too many rods just accumulated from my grandpa or, or just other stuff. And so I always, um, if I can give it to someone, I always reach out and say like, hey, do you need a rod or a reel or whatever? So, uh, yeah, those are the big things. And don't take it too seriously. It's a, it's a video, man. <laughs> or, or woman. No, for sure. And it's been, it's been a fun project, Elon, and, uh, you know, appreciate you, uh, your willingness to come on and tell your story. You know, it's been uh, a cool experience for, uh, for, for us, you know, uh, getting to know you and getting to know all of our alumni. Right. And we hope to continue this project into the future, uh, where we invite more and more of our alumni to come out and, and also current students to tell their story, right? You know, fire is yeah. as much a, a people's story as it is, uh, you know, just a community, you know. Speaking of some fun – wait, one sec. Speaking of some, some fun alumni, um, we do have a question for, for Heather, who, who we have right now uh, about hey, – are you guys on the podcast right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm just out here lifting weights at the gym. <laughs> um, we want to ask about uh, that trigger fish that Elon put a perfect hook set on and some <laughs> knot broke. Um, I wonder who tied it. It could have possibly been uh, me, actually. <laughs> I think about it every day. Elon did everything right in that situation. And the moral of the story is 
check your knots. And if you're not checking your knots, at least tie your own knots and don't trust other people's knots because if Heather's tying it, I wouldn't trust it. Thank you. We we just needed we needed that we needed that answer. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Well, enjoy enjoy the gym. Uh, Elon, <laughs> kill it out there. I can't wait to listen uh, to this podcast. All right. <laughs> all right. Bye, Heather. <laughs> bye, guys. That's all she's time. A, she's a. I mean, she's a hoop man. She's amazing. <laughs> she's she's one of the dopest people I've ever met in my life. Heather's awesome. Um, but I think that Andrew, were you were you wrapping it up when, when Heather chimed in? Yeah, but uh, it's all good. Yeah. So it's, it's always entertaining to to hear Heather uh just chat about about things. We'll see. <laughs> she's the she's the only person in my life. I'm pretty sometimes I'm antisocial, I just wanna like, you know, hang out quietly alone. She's one of the only people in my life who like will come and hug me and I'm like all right, this is cool. This is all right. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, so uh, I'll pick up where Andrew left off. Uh, Eland, it was great having you on the podcast, but uh, we'd love for you to just plug plug whatever you want right now. It's your time. Uh, yeah, you know, follow follow Brown Folks Fishing um, on, on social media stuff. Uh, you know, support. And other than that. Um, you know, I think I, I don't know, man. It doesn't matter. But just be a good person, share fishing stories. Uh, if you guys really want to do me a favor, I won't plug my own Instagram. But if you guys want to go to uh, this guy's Instagram and just talk stuff to him, he's one of my comic friends. His name is uh, BK Sherrod, <laughs> and his Insta- his Instagram name is Insane Brown Posse. Uh, just go to his Instagram and just, <laughs> just slide his DMs and just. Just be as mean as you can, uh, and I would really appreciate that. He'll, <laughs> and then he'll, he'll appreciate that. Uh, other than that, no, I'm I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate you guys giving me the time. Yeah, it was a lot That's of fun. True. Definitely, it's like meat tweets, you know, just so yeah, really, yeah. You know. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably call me and be like, "Why are all these fishing people being mean to me?" And I'll be like, "I don't know, man." Dude, this is just like you said. Like you can't take fishing too seriously. This is fun. Um, thanks for coming on. It was a blast. Thanks, Elon. Adios.